Good morning. Good to have you in the Lord's house. Let's all come on in and find a seat as we get ready to start our Bible this Bible hour on this first service of our revival this year. So come on in. John's getting ready to get ready to start us with our song service. together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing take the name of jesus with you and then lord i lift your name on high take the name of jesus with you child of sorrow and of woe it will joy and comfort give you take it then where'er you go precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven oh the precious name of jesus how it thrills our souls with joy when his loving arms receive us and his songs our tongues employ precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven at the name of jesus bowing falling prostrate at his feet king of kings and heaven will crown him when our journey is complete precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven and let's together lift up our voices as we sing lord i lift your name on high <laughs> lord i lift your name on high lord i love to sing your praises i'm so glad you're in my life i'm so glad you came to save us you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my debt to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky lord i lift your name on high lord i lift your name on high lord i love to sing your praises i'm so glad you're in my life i'm so glad you came to save us you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross my debt to pay from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky lord i lift your name on high amen amen good to have you in the lord's house for bible hour this morning we're going to open up with a word of prayer and 
this morning, Brother Kent is teaching all the classes, so everybody will stay right in here, and he'll kind of start working it together. Even the teens are going to be in here. He's going to get you excited about uh, the rumble. Yeah. That's it, the rumble. Yeah. Last time he was here, we did the fire or something. Yeah, ignite your fire. Ignite your fire. Yeah. No fires this year. No, Simple sir. Christian rumbling. We're going to have a rumble. Yes. <laughs> um, but I'm glad you're here for the Bible Hour. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your many blessings to us. And Lord, I do pray that you be with folks who are still rushing about, getting ready to come to church. Pray that you help them to come with a, a spirit, a heart ready to worship. And Lord, I do pray for our teachers throughout the building, as well as those in this room for this Bible hour, that all of us would have open and receptive hearts. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And as you're seated, let's lift up our voices as we sing a good old hymn, This Is My Father's World. And then we'll sing one of our newer praise songs, This Ropes for Mine. This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. my father's world. Oh, let me near forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied. Suffered neath God's rage, draped in his righteousness, I'm justified. In Christ I live, for in my place he died. I cling to Christ and marvel at the cause. Jesus forsaken, God estranged from God. But by such love, my life is not my shall be for Christ alone. His robes for mine, God's justice is a peace. Jesus is crushed, and thus the Father's
It is so good to have Brother Gene and Barb back with us this morning. As you know, Brother Gene broke his ankle severely. They put it all back together with screws and all of that, but they're still still working on some healing in there, so continue to pray for Gene. But first Sunday back's got a thank you note here. He says, uh, Dear church family, we want to thank each and every one of you for your cards, prayers, food, visits taking us and uh, to appointments and going out of your way to be there when we needed you. They say everything happens uh, and something good comes of it. God used this to bring me closer to him uh, than I have ever been in a long time. And I give God all the praise for opening my eyes to how so very much uh, to be thankful for. Also, I realized how much my church family means to me. The sincerity, love, and concern every one of you had, I am slowly getting my strength back and trying to get going again. Thank you all so very much. Love in Christ, Gene and Barb. Amen. So it's good to have them back here with us. Uh, pray for him. He's still got some healing to do inside those pieces because it's so badly broke. Um, but he's doing well, getting up, getting out there. Good to have you in church with us. So this morning, uh, we kick off by having Brother Kent come up and do the Bible Hour. And of course, the other classes, they won't be in here, but uh, our classes are in here. If you want to come closer so that you can feel the, the title of his ministry is Ignite Ministry. And so if you're closer, you can feel the radiance of that ignite coming off of him, you know, just, but if you're sitting way in the back, you're just not going to get the full intensity of igniting. Right. We're going to turn it right over to you. Come on up. Can I use the other floor? You can. Do you want to come down yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, good morning. Let's all move to the center section. You can move back after Sunday school. Come on, y'all move over to the center section. Your preacher said you're wonderful, loving people. You'd have no problem doing that. Come on over. Oh, thank you. You know, I have an eye problem, too. So this is like a medical emergency. It's, uh, I can't see you if you're not here in the, the close. So thank you all so much for moving. That's so sweet of you to move. I appreciate you so much. Come on over. Even bring the baby. Oh, there you go. All right. Come on in. We're going to have Sunday school. And y'all call it the Bible hour. Now, where's the preacher? There he is. Now, we're going to have a little campaign this week we call Let's Get Ready to Rumble. And um, uh, he's got some volunteers already lined out. So, uh, do you have your list on you? Do you I have my, left, my list in, in your brain. brain. All right. And uh, uh, yeah, oh yeah, I need it right now. I need to know. Right yeah, I want it right now. Where's Paul and Tammy? Oh, thank you, Paul and Tammy. Appreciate it. Who else? Kurt and Rachel. Kurt and Rachel. Thank you. Who else? Harmon and Kathy. Harmon and Kathy. Oh, thank y'all so much. All right. John Kaufman. John. Okay. 
And then Sandra Joe and Erica. Erica. That's five teams. Five teams. We need one more team to help us. Now, let me say this. There will be no humiliation. You'll win a prize just by participating. And it'll be so easy. You won't have a bit of problem. So who would like to be our sixth team for the rumble? Who would like to... Who's, are you coughing? You get picked. Did you... Uh, this is like an auction. You must make the slightest move. And we're picking you. Who wants to do it? How about two teenage boys back there? Would y'all take on somebody? Who would do it back there? Two teenage boys. I have a yes. Does the person have to be here every night? Yeah, it'd be best. Okay. It'd be best for that team. Be here every night. How about you boys back there? Any of you boys want to do it? Two teenage boys? Who will do it? Who will do it back there? Any of you? I know I'm in Vermont, but uh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> All right, who else? Who else would be a team for us for the revival? Anybody else? Who? Anybody at all? It don't have to be a couple. It could be two ladies. It could be two men. It could be two teenage boys back there. I keep seeing them back there. <laughs> and you guys would be good at it. And you'll probably win. And you get a big prize for winning. So wouldn't that be great? So uh, you boy, you on the aisle there. What's your name? Yeah. Isaac. Ivan? Isaac, oh, that's a good name. I have a grandson by that name. Isaac, would you volunteer to be the team leader for your team? <laughs> All right, now pick, pick one of those three boys beside you that you want to use. There's there four over there. Who's your partner, Jack? That's my other grandson. All right. Isaac and Jack are going to be a team. All right? You okay with that, Jack? Sure. Ah, I like that. <laughs> now, all you team leaders, I'm going to meet with you for about five minutes right after Sunday school and explain how the rumble works. Where, where could we meet, preacher? Right all right, we're going to meet in this side classroom right after Sunday school, and I'll go over all the rules. <coughs> It'll be so easy. You'll love it, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, we'll have a good time rumbling this week. And, you know, the good thing about the rumble is sometimes the rumble will bring in people that are lost. And I've seen many people saved because of the crazy rumble. And uh, wouldn't that be wonderful to see somebody get invited and, and then they got saved. So we'll, we're going to have a good time and it'll be easy and you'll enjoy it. Well, get your Bibles out this morning. We're going to go over to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter number 3. What time do we quit in here, preacher? At uh, 10? I, uh, I wrap it up at uh, 10.15. All right, 10.15. We'll shoot for that. All right, that gives us exactly 30 minutes. 
10.15. Well, let me just say me and Julie are glad to be back here at Victory Baptist. It's been almost exactly two years since we were here last. And uh, is there anybody here today would say, I have never met you. I've never laid eyes on you before. Hold your hand up right now. I have never met you. Well, hello, who else? Anyone else? All right, yeah, back in the back. Well, hello, my name is Kent York. Now, I look a lot like that Barbie doll, Ken, you know, but, um, <laughs> but I have a T on my name, so I'm not Ken, I am Kent with a T. And uh, uh, my mother, bless her heart, she had four sons, and uh, she gave a couple of my brothers good Bible names like Mark and James, but I'm the only preacher in the family, and she named me after a pack of cigarettes, so I really appreciated mom for that. Well, couldn't, couldn't have gave me a good, strong Bible name. No, I'm Kent, I, and so uh, uh, I am an evangelist. Uh, I, I am now in my 25th year as an itinerant evangelist. And what that means is I preach somewhere different every week. And I just move and move and move. Last Sunday, we were in Jackson, Michigan. And next Sunday, we'll be in Bangor, Maine. And the next week, I'll be in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then on to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it just goes on and on and on like that all the time. And that's what uh, an evangelist does. And this is my third trip to be here with you guys. And we love coming here to uh, Virgin. Not, not Virginesque. Y'all say Virgins, don't you? Yeah. Vir what? Virgin. Virgin. Just cut it off and forget that ES on the end. All right. It's not Virginesque. Right. But uh, Virgins, we love coming here and we love Brother Tim and Sandy and we always enjoy uh, coming and being here for a revival. This is my wife, Julie, over here. Stand up, Julie, so that the people back there that don't know you can see you back there. Here she is, right here. And no, that is not my daughter. That is my wife. So uh, I have some people been irritating me lately. And uh, was that your daughter that's not? Oh, shut up. <laughs> that's my wife. And. Uh, uh, in January, we'll be married 44 years. And oh, yeah. And uh, God blessed us with five kids. Five kids. Yeah, we had four ugly, knot headed boys right off the bat. And then there is a God in heaven. He gave us a baby girl after four ugly boys. Can you believe that? Julie, extremely organized, she named our children in alphabetical order, A, B, C, D, and E. They all have a middle name, starts with the letter J. So I have an A, J, a B, J, a C, J, a D, J, and an E, J. All right, so it's very easy to remember my kids, just the first five letters of the alphabet. And uh, me and Julie are very, very blessed and uh, 
all four of my sons have been called to preach and all four of them have graduated from Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And all four of them are full time in the ministry this morning and they're not eating my groceries anymore. And that's uh, <laughs> parents, you know, that's a blessing, isn't it? And so all four boys are pastors and uh, God's been so good to us. And then God didn't call Elizabeth to preach, but she does have a wonderful godly husband and they serve in their church there in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, anyway, uh, you're looking at a man and a woman that God has just poured the honeypot out on our head and blessed us. And then these five kids have now given us fifth grandbabies and I've got 15 grandbabies and yes I have an Isaac I have a Jack and I have a Josh and I have a Simon and a Peter both and I got I got yeah I, I, I've got 11 boys and three girls and so we're boy strong in our family Oh, 12 boys. Oh, we just had a new one, Gideon. I forgot about him. But anyway, 12 boys and three girls. And, uh, oh, and Gideon is just four months old this month. And so uh, we range from 14 to four months. And we've just been so blessed. And uh, uh, we want to tell you more about our ministry as the week goes on. Since I was here with you last... Uh, I was in Israel, and by the way, we need to pray for Israel this morning because they are they are having their 9-11. Uh, they had it yesterday, and it's just horrible what has happened there, and it's probably going to get a lot worse. And uh, then also, me and Julie went to Ghana, West Africa last year, and we were in West Africa for four weeks, and uh, we saw 153 souls come to know Christ. In Ghana, West Africa. And then just uh, uh, a month ago, we returned from being in San Jose, Costa Rica. We were there two weeks. We saw 23 saved in San Jose, Costa Rica. I preached in five churches. And um, I preached 11 times in two weeks. And Julie sang 18 times in two weeks. And we had a wonderful trip to uh, Costa Rica in five different churches. But uh, everywhere we've been, all over the world, I have been around the world 25 times now. All roads led to Virgin's Vermont. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You're the center of the universe. And we are thrilled to be here. Uh, this week and we're just going to have a good time. I see where we'll talk more about the revival in the next meeting, but uh, they're going to feed us every night. No, it's going to be just a great, great week. So you just clear your calendar and decide nothing's happening more important in Virginia than revival down at Victory Baptist Church. Well, Daniel chapter three. We're going to read a great story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And um, uh, let's just read it and listen to it a minute. The Bible says in verse 24 of Daniel chapter number 3, verse 24, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and he rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. Now, 
the king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar here. What a big name. And we have three young Hebrew men that worked in his government. They had been taken in captivity and brought back to uh, the, the king's palace. And uh, they were Jews. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar got the great idea that he was going to erect a great image. Uh, everything I've read, that image was about 150 foot tall. And then Nebuchadnezzar had a band. And when the band played, you had to bow down and worship the great image. If you were anywhere in the city, you heard the band play, you got down on your hands and knees and put your forehead on the ground and you worship the great image. And these three young men, when the band played, they didn't bow down. Now, I don't think they made a big deal like we do today. They, they didn't pick it in the streets. We're not going to bow down. No, I don't think so. They, they just didn't bow down. I don't think they made a big deal out of it. And, of course, there's always a tattletale somewhere. And the tattletale went to the king and said, These three young men that are working for you, they're not bowing down. And I truly believe that the king liked these three young men. Now you need to realize the reason they could not bow down is they believed in the God of heaven and they believed the Ten Commandments. And if they would have bowed down, they would have to violate the first two commandments. Commandment number one, who knows it? What is it? Have no other gods before me. Nebuchadnezzar was violating that commandment. Commandment number two, what does it say? Make no graven images. Nebuchadnezzar was violating the first and the second commandment of God. And these young men believed in God and said, nope, we're not going to bow down. Now, Nebuchadnezzar liked these young men. You say, how do you know he liked them? Because he calls them into the throne room to give them one last chance. Usually in that day and age, if you disobeyed the king, they just went out and cut your head off. That was it. It's over. But he brings them into his throne room. And I think the conversation might have went something like this. I know you guys are from out of town. But when the band plays, you got to bow down. That is the law. And I think two of them were the amen corner in the back and one was the spokesman. And he said, King, we understand completely what the law, the law says and we are never going to bow down. Oh. The Bible in the good old King James Version says that at that moment, Nebuchadnezzar's visage changed. Uh, have you men ever seen your wife's visage change? You know. Usually it's right before they go, that's okay. And you know it ain't okay. You're in trouble. And I mean the visage of Nebuchadnezzar changed. 
And he said, there's a law. If you don't bow down, we throw you into a burning, fiery furnace. And I want you to heat that furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been heated. And throw those smart alecks in the fire. Bible says the furnace was so hot that it killed the mighty men of the military that threw them into the burning fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar goes back up to his apartment. That's what we do with smart Alex around here. And it wasn't long a servant came to the door and said, King, you need to come down here. We've got a little peephole looking into the furnace. You need to come and look. And that's what we just read when the king came down and said, how many did we throw in that fire? They said, did we throw three or did we throw four? And they said, oh, king, we threw three. Now look at verse 25. And he answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Have you ever, I always wondered, how did, what did Nebuchadnezzar know what the son of God looked like? You know what that tells me? He was really seeing something. I mean, that, he was seeing a sight in there. Verse number 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace. And he spake and he said, Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were they their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Now go with me. In your mind's eye. We're at the door of a burning fiery furnace. I imagine maybe there was a great stone they rolled back. Out comes these three young men walking out of that fire. What do they have for them? Well, they got a reception line. We've all seen our president fly all over America. And when he gets to a city, he comes down or he falls down the steps to the bottom. And... Uh, and down at the bottom, what do they have for him? They have a reception line. There's the mayor, there's the governor, there's the police chief. Everybody's there to shake his hand. Well, this is exactly what we've got. We've got a diplomatic reception line. These three young men are walking out of the fire and they're shaking hands with the governors and the princes and the captains and, and the king's counselors. And then I want you to notice in that verse, what do they do? They circle around these three young men. And what do they do? They start sniffing these guys. How did you come out of a burning fiery furnace and you don't even smell like smoke? And that's what I want to talk about for the next few minutes. 
It'll be a very simple subject this morning. It'll be easy to remember. What do you smell like? What do you smell like? I truly believe that a lot of our churches, we're not experiencing revival and we're not experiencing victory, even at Victory Baptist Church, because we have some people show up on Sunday and they stink. And I'm not talking about a physical stink. I'm talking about stinky attitudes. And these young men came out of a fire and they didn't even smell like smoke. Now there's nothing worse than being around a person that stinks. I pastored a church in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan years ago and we had a family. They always sat right here on the third row. This is no reflection on you people. But we called them the stink family. They stunk. Now when I pastored in Kalamazoo, we didn't have these nice pews like y'all got. Look, these are beautiful pews. And I don't know if you know it or not, but that pad on that pew front and back, right at this moment, it is absorbing some of your stink right now as you sit on that pew. In fact, that's the reason we call them pews. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Now, when I pastored in Kalamazoo, we didn't have pretty pews like this. Brother Tim, ours were hard wood varnish pews. Now, if you sit on a hard wood varnish pew and you stink, when you stand up, you release a stink bomb into the atmosphere. And it never failed, preacher, when we would have first-time visitors they would always sit on the fourth row. It was just like clockwork. And it was fine during the sermon, but when I would say at the end of the sermon, let's all stand, I'd kind of peek over there, and those visitors would be like, because they got a face full of stink. And I finally had enough. I did. I had enough. I said, I'm going out to their house. You say, oh, you didn't. I said, oh, yeah, I did. You say, how do you approach it? There's no good way. So I determined that the direct approach would be the best. And I sat down on their couch and I looked at him and her and I said, you people stink. And I don't want you to ever come back to my church again unless you take a shower, wash your hair, use deodorant. Now, if you cannot afford it, our church will buy you all the shampoo and soap and deodorant that you'll ever need. But I must demand that you bathe. And she said, well, we can afford it. I said, well, then use it. You know, I found people who stink are very hard to offend. Have you ever noticed that? But anyway, they kept coming. And about every three months, I'd have to go have the stink conversation with them again because they'd get to stinking again. But you know what? It's terrible being around someone that stinks. And you know what? In our churches, we don't need people who show up and stink the whole surface up. And again, I'm not talking about physical stink. I'm talking about a stinky, stinky heart, a stinky, stinky mind, a stinky, stinky attitude. Now, I thought it would be interesting. These three young men didn't stink. Let's figure out why they didn't stink. Well, in verse number 27, it says that they didn't stink because the fire had no power on their bodies. 
The fire had no power. In fact, if you really study this, you find they were tied hand and foot and thrown into the fire. The only thing that burned were the ropes that was tying them. Other than that, the fire had no power on their bodies. And let me just say to you right now, if you haven't figured it out, we are living in a world that is a rolling, consuming fire. I preach a lot of meetings in Southern California, and I have been out there when the Santa Ana winds come up and those fires start. And I'm going to tell you, I've watched them go up and over hills, and I, they burn cars and buildings and anything in its path are turned to ash. It is a rolling, consuming fire. We live in a world that is a rolling, consuming fire. There's not a person in this room this morning that hasn't been affected some way by divorce. You've been divorced. Your family's been divorced. Your friends have been divorced. There's no one in this room that hasn't been affected by the C word, cancer. You know someone that's dying of cancer or you're a cancer recovery patient. There's not a person in this room that has not been affected by crime. You've been robbed. You've been mugged. There's not a person in the room, I'll tell you, that hasn't been affected by homosexuality or lesbianism. It's rampant today. You see, the world is just a burning, burning, consuming fire. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to burn you up. If you're not with Jesus Christ. Now let me make this clear. God never said he would make your life fireproof. Amen. But he said I will go with you through the fires of life. I think there's a lot of lies told around the church. We lie all the preachers lie. If you'll just get saved your life will be perfect. Well, guess what? I know a lot of people got saved. That's when their problems really began. You see, you can be a saved, born-again Christian and still face the fires of life. But I'll tell you what, God will go with you through those fires. And you can come out on the other side and not stink. About four, 12, 14 years ago, I went out to my car. I was in southern Ohio preaching a meeting and my cell phone was blinking. I'd missed 14 phone calls. I looked. All my sons had called. My daughter had called. My pastor had called. All of Julie's brothers had called. Everybody called me but Julie. And I began to make calls. What's going on? What's going on? And finally got through to my daughter-in-law. Every line was busy. And she said... Uh, Julie's had a stroke and she's in the hospital. I'm going to tell you, we stepped into a fire that night. I flew home as fast as I could the next morning. I was in San Anthony Hospital in Oklahoma City at 9.30. And um, I stayed seven days with her in that hospital room. Slept on one of those fold-out chairs. You ever slept on one of those before? I think there's a special hot room in hell for the guy that invented that chair. <laughs> It's a horrible chair. It's a horrible bed. <laughs> and praise the Lord, Julie made a full recovery from that. And she lost her singing voice, but she's got it back. 
And you know what? We come out of that hospital. We didn't come out bitter and stinky. We came out better. I think the brother today wrote his card that, uh, yeah, he broke his leg, but it drew him closer to the Lord. That's going through the fires with God. Amen. The fire had no power on their body. Secondly, go back to 27. Nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed. Now we're going to park here for just a minute because this is such a good thing. The fire never changed these young men one bit. Their hair was not singed. Their coats were not charged. You say, what were they doing wearing coats? Well, if you'll go back and study it, you'll find that they had their hats on, their hose and their coats. I really think when he condemned them to the fire, he said, go back to their apartment, get everything they own and put it on them and we're going to burn it all. They were wearing coats and everything. But when they walked out, the ropes had burned. The coats weren't blackened and charred. The hair was. Now we all know you get too close to a fire. You're going to send yourself. I have my pastor in Oklahoma. He's a borderline lunatic. And uh, he uh, had all of his wife's family over for Thanksgiving one year. And it was cold and rainy. Kind of like out there right now. And uh, he thought it would be nice to have a fire. But he didn't have a fireplace. But he had one of these freestanding stoves in the corner of the living room. So. He went out and gathered up all the wood he could and put it in there with paper and he couldn't get it to burn because it was too wet. So he decided he would go to the garage and see if he could find something to ignite that fire. And all of Shirley's family had pulled their chairs up and they were all excited that we were going to have a cozy little fire. And he couldn't find anything, no lighter fluid or anything, but he saw a great big jar of WD-40. And he thought, that'll burn, I'm sure. And so he just soaked those logs down. He used the whole can in there. He said, Kent, when I threw the match in there, <laughs> fire jumped out 15 feet. He singed all the in-laws' eyebrows off. Everybody's hair was like this. Oh, Shirley could have killed him. He ruined Thanksgiving. You know, on Thanksgiving, it's common to burn the turkey, but you don't burn the in-laws. And luckily, nobody was seriously injured, but boy, they were all... They, were, they had no hair on their arms anymore. They were singed. You get too close to the fire, you're going to get singed. Not these boys. You know why? The fire had not changed them. And I'm going to tell you right now, some of you in this room this morning, you're a changeling. You say, what do you mean? You change just as soon as you can get across this parking lot and slam your soundproof car door. You become someone different. Oh, yeah, we come to church. Oh, Brother Tim, oh, that was such a good message. God bless you. I love all of you. Bye-bye. Slam. That was the sorriest message I ever heard. And if that John keeps singing that one song over and over again, he's driving me crazy. And today we have that little fat evangelist, and I don't like him a bit. He don't even part his hair. And you, honey, 
you better have something for lunch or I'm going to kick your blankety blank. And you kids, shut the blank up back. Is that what happens as soon as you leave the church building? See, there's some of you too. You can't go to work tomorrow and invite anyone in this revival because at work, you curse just like they do. You act just like they do. And they know it. Why? Because you're one person in the church and you're another person at work. Mm -mm. The fire should not change you. You say, Brother Ken, how do you have four boys that are all preachers? Because I'll be very frank with you, most preachers' kids are train wrecks. I've prayed and cried with preachers and their kids are on drugs and in prison. You say, how did you raise four preacher boys? Well, it's not because me and Julie are some kind of spiritual giants. No. But my kids will tell you, mom and dad are the same person in church as they are in the house. We live the same life. And if there's one thing these teenagers back here hate, it's hypocrisy. And that's the reason when they get old enough, they don't have to come to church. They don't come back anymore because they've been watching mom and dad be a hypocrite all these years. And they don't want to go and watch it anymore. You want to raise godly kids? Then be godly in church and be godly in your home. They did not change one iota. And then finally, and I'll be done. Go back up to verse number 25. Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire and says, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. You say, well, was Nebuchadnezzar really seeing something? I believe he was. In fact, I believe this was Jesus. You say, what do you mean? Well, see, the Bible tells us that Jesus made several pre-incarnation arrivals on the earth. I believe Melchizedek, king of Salem, was the pre-incarnate Christ. I believe Jacob probably wrestled with the pre-incarnate Christ. This was the pre-incarnate Christ. He was walking in the fire with these three young men. And my final point is they did not stink because they'd been walking <laughs> with Jesus. Do you ever notice how hard it is to be stinky if you're walking with Christ? You see, some people come into church and they're... <laughs> And you just mark it down. They didn't walk with Christ this week because if they walk with Christ, they wouldn't be that stinky. What if you came out your front door this tomorrow morning to go to work and there's Jesus on the porch? Good morning. I'm going to spend the day with you. Well, hi, Jesus. Let's go. You go out and get in that pickup truck, turn that key, and a boat, skirt, boogie. Oh. Let's find the Christian station. Uh -huh. You pull out in the street and a lady pulls them out. <laughs> she was talking on the phone. Must have been an emergency. God bless you. 
you get to work and there's always two guys in the corner. <laughs> Come over here. You got to hear what we did Friday night. No, uh, Jesus, let's don't go over there. We don't want to know what they did Friday night. You see, my point is, if you walked every day with Jesus, you might listen to different music. You may react differently when people wrong you. And you may hang out with different people. Well, Brother Kent, I've got Jesus with me today. Well, if you're saved, you've got Jesus with you every day. Amen. So the message is simple. What do you smell like? Go ahead. Go ahead. Check. Do you stink? If you do, this revival this week would be a wonderful time to get things right in your life and be that sweet-smelling savor for the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together. I pray, Lord, that this message would be received in the spirit it was given to try and help, be in the service to follow, and be in the next four days. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.